Overcooked, Fortnite, and Inner Space. This is Staying In. Guys, I... I need your help. Well, clearly. You've come to the right place, Sam. Life is not good in the uh, Turner household at the moment. Well, it is good. It's great. We're planning a wedding and it's brilliant. Mm. Hopefully, I'll give you a quick update. Hopefully, band and photographer should be sorted quite soon, we think. It's so rare to find one person that does both jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's strange, Chris, is that all the songs they play are only to do with photography as well. So all they sing are Girls on Film... Flash. Uh, video killed the radio star. That other one about photography that I can't remember at the top of my mind. But like, it just takes a break in a song, takes a snap, and uh, and, and that's it. Consummate professional. Awesome. That's <laughs> fantastic, Sam. So you're well on your way. The wedding's pretty much done now, isn't it? I mean, pretty much. Yeah. There's st- there's still like a so that's food venue, band and photographer done, which are kind of like the four big things that you've got to do at least a year before your date, because those are the things that get booked up, like the popular stuff, they'll be they'll be booked up like a year in advance for stuff. So we, we're, we're kind of getting on it now, which is great. But no, that is not what I need help with. <sighs> right. I need... Okay, so for Christmas this year, I was blessed. Hashtag blessed. Whether it was the uh, favour of the baby Jesus, whether it was some pagan... God, who loved me, or whatever, whatever the reason. Yeah. I was gifted a Nintendo Switch. <sighs> and life has not been the same since. It's been, it's been so good. I've been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild on my lunch break and then coming home and playing it on my new TV. And it's been, that experience is just wonderful. Mm. But everyone knows how good Mario Odyssey and Zelda is. But what I need help with, I need help getting my bride-to-be to play with me on Switch. Because oh. so far, she's not gone anywhere near it. I've got two games that I think would be would be perfect, that she would love. One of which Chris has already played. Yep. I'm the, I'm the Lisa backup, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've got Snipper Clips. Um, which was, uh, I think it was like a launch title for the Switch. And it's essentially a game where you each play uh, a piece of paper and each piece of paper can take a piece out of the other piece of paper. They can essentially cut shapes out of each other using their own shape. So there's there's puzzles to escape the room where you need to, like, someone needs to catch a ball in their shape so the other person needs to cut a bit out of the other person that creates like a divot in their body so they've got a, like a a, a, a a vestibule for the ball that lands does that make sense yeah it makes sense yeah. yeah and you solve puzzles by basically taking chunks out of each other so right. i think i think she'd love that and then i also think i also think that she would love the game that chris and i have been playing so uh, in good. between bouts of arkham horror the dunwich legacy which is so good so much fun uh, which is Overcooked and this is a game that unlike Snipper Clips is available on PS4 PC probably the Xbox but no one plays that anymore and 
it is so much fun it's brilliant have you played it pete yeah uh, we've got it at home and i bought alex a t-shirt based around the overcooked onion <laughs> oh with the mustache with a little curly mustache uh, and he's like a chef or something um yeah it's 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 really hectic that's why I, mm-hmm. I, I sort of like it for that and also at the same time don't want to play it because of it. I get really stressed out because you have to, my, if I'm remembering right, you have to, like, basically you have to cook recipes, but you can only do one action at a time and all the ingredients are in different parts of the kitchen, right? Yeah. It's, it's very similar to, in sort of the theme of it, well, not the theme, but the essence of it, is very similar to uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time that we played right. yeah. last year when we were around mine. So it's so it's like people have got a job to do, yeah. but the way that the environment is set up is it makes someone having one job to do very difficult to achieve. So right. whatever plans you have in place will suddenly get swept away because of how the levels are designed. So say, for example, there's one uh, which is on a pirate ship. And Chris and I were starting there. We were making burgers. Chris's job was to hand me the ingredients. I was chopping them. I was cooking them. Chris was taking them to the pass yeah. and cleaning the plates. Simple. A well-oiled machine. A well-oiled... We were doing really well until everything in the kitchen moved to one side as a ship listed on the ocean. So suddenly, Chris was on the wrong side of the kitchen and was trapped and couldn't get out. And I was holding an onion in the middle of like Brilliant. the ship with nowhere to put it and that was absolutely there's no, there's another level where there's an earthquake every sort of 30 seconds and the kitchen divides and if you're not on the other if you're not on the right side of the kitchen where the cookers are things will just start to burn and set on fire there's another great one where the kitchen's divided over two traveling lorries that come together and separate at different parts yeah. so like chris so we smashed that one though because chris was in charge of just chopping and every time the every time the um, the lorries came together, Chris would just like literally just throw veg onto the floor, and I was there like making burgers and cooking them up, and they were just like picking veg off the floor and putting <laughs> them in burgers. <laughs> the world's most unhygienic kitchen. But yes, so those are the two games. So I need you. I need your advice right. because because Lisa's great. Like we play. Uh, we, I mean, we play board games all the time. Patchwork. Uh, we recently got. Um, well, we're borrowing Jaipur. Jaipur! Off Chris, uh, which is brilliant. And um, so we play, we play loads of games, board games, all the time. But getting Lisa in the mindset to play a video game is a completely different proposition. I don't know, I don't know why that is. It's really odd to me. Is it because we are super used to the mechanical complexity of making our hands work with an input device? Like, because mm. she's not super into games, right? Like, no. video games. So, I've been thinking about this a lot. If you think about it... <laughs> just just walking down the street. No, why do... don't why we... don't our partners have bigger hands? No, no, but uh, I think about it in terms of how the average person actually views games. Because we are the minority in the amount of video mm. games we play. And, in fact, the video games we've heard of, right? Like, most people who don't really have any interest in games, just have a passing interest. They might have an Xbox or a PlayStation or something. They're like, Call of Duty every year, FIFA every year, see you next year. When you actually think about the what you're doing with a controller, it's like it's like every single game is a remote-controlled aeroplane, right? If you think about all the remote-controlled aeroplane like 
gubbins that you have, those controllers with all the whirling buttons and knobs and dials and all the stuff that you have to do to make it not crash into the ground. Like, if I was handed that, I'd be a little bit, like, worried about it. And if you then look at what's on a controller, there's, like, 16 buttons. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you, before you go any further, yeah. I just have to point out that the Switch, being the beautiful little darling that it is, yeah. the controller only has four buttons on it. I mean, that is really good, right? So, like, because how it works is that if you're playing a game with someone, uh, you just take they just take one of the Joy-Cons and you take the other one. So it's just an analog stick, four buttons, and two shoulder buttons, and that's all they have to use. In Overcooked, it's just an analog stick and two buttons. That's all right. you ever press. Yeah, I still think that that can be a little bit daunting for people. I mean, you've got to you've got to think about it. The most successful selling console of all time is a console in which is the Wii, and it's a console yeah. in which you basically say, when someone says, "How do I swing the tennis racket?" you say, "You swing." Um, you know, it's it's. I I I do think we underestimate the complexity of stuff. And also, by the way, and I didn't think think this, but I've been around people before where they've picked. I've handed them a con- console controller. And they've literally said, I can't break it, can I? And what they mean is the software. Mm. Uh, what a preposterous idea that you, you could like run around in a space, in a digital space, and somehow break the software in some way. But yeah, I, th- I think that maybe that's it. Maybe there's a little bit of fear in people of just like, ooh, not just wanting to jump in. And also just the complexity of like those things. Um, if you've got sniffer clips, though, and uh, yeah. overcooked, I reckon that that's the best place to start i mean they're so straightforward in terms of like input mind you overcooked is a bit ghastly isn't it at times it does get a bit stressful yes how how many people have you played it with i've played it with three before in total ah and with four does it does it scale up i don't think it changes oh sorry i think it changes the point total that you need to get and uh to to successfully clear the mission but also, it does scale up in terms of difficulty naturally because there's like more people to get under your yeah. feet. I mean, perhaps Sam, an angle would be something thematic. Maybe knowing Lisa Mark, maybe the subject matter just isn't dark enough. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, then maybe Snipper Clips is a perfect one. What's this game about? It's a game where you take chunks of meat out of each other in order to solve fiendish puzzles set to you by an evil genius. It should be like, yeah. It's all yeah. about context. <laughs> uh, I know that uh, you weren't able to join us yesterday, Sam, for hot video game action, but Chris and I, and Dan, the lovely Dan, who's not on the recording today, played Fortnite. And uh, mm. it was on our Playstations where we played uh, played Fortnite. <laughs> uh, and uh, so this we, is this is Fortnite Battle Royale. I think it's just called Fortnite, but it is a battle royale game. Yeah. And the free mode that you get in Fortnite, because there is a way for you to pay at the moment. You can get like there's a heck of a line on the Fortnite website somewhere that says that you can pay plus microtransactions for early access to a free-to-play game that will become free for users in March. So so it's like, caveat, plus caveat, plus caveat, please give us £30. But Fortnite 
the free mode of it at the moment is a battle royale tournament in the same way that player unknowns battlegrounds Daisy I guess armor to some extent um well it's closest cousin to a long way is player unknowns battlegrounds like you you start off the mission in an open area where people are just freely shooting each other you then go into a plane where you're parachuting out onto another location you're collecting ammo and weapons at will yeah. and there's a circle of like an area of effect which is increasingly closing in yeah which is pretty much note for note exactly player unknown's battleground except except one important difference sam and that's that you don't jump out of a plane you jump out of a battle bus i'll have yeah. you know yeah. uh, and that is important it's very um, important very so um we were playing it yesterday because we were kind of looking we've been looking for multiplayer games that we can jump in and out of because story-based stuff hasn't particularly worked out well for us because we've never been able to quite get everyone together regularly to do it and fortnite feels like that kind of drop in drop out experience that i've been looking for for a while i don't think i've laughed quite as hard uh while playing a video game for a long time uh so so basically the way that we've been approaching fortnite is is we've been no you know what let me tell you how you're meant to approach Fortnite. This, that's that, that's what I better say, Pete. This is the way. This is law. This is like literally like the gospel. It's true, right? So the way you're sort of meant to approach uh, Fortnite is you jump out the bus. You want to get down to the ground as quickly as you can. Go and grab some weapons. Stay with your team or run to somewhere if it's in solo. Find the best, most powerful, rarest weapons, as much ammo and shield and health packs and all that sort of stuff as you can. Mine some resources so that you can build uh, like a fortress or something like that or some additional things to help you out in your uh, as you move through the environment and basically go and take the fight to your opponents and just take out, take out baddies. Um, and that's there's 100 players in the game, uh, so you want to take out as many of them as you possibly can as quickly as you can. So... Ca- switch camera angle to Chris, Dan, and I hunkering in a corner, n- like just behind a cupboard, basically. Um, our plan is we get in there, we find a house that's abandoned. Hopefully, there's a gun in there to share between the three of us, and then we basically sit in a corner and wait things out. Wait, <laughs> like wait for the for the battle to to move away from us, and then. The storm, which is constantly closing in, and basically you lose health whilst you're inside the storm. So you have to stay within... Outside a, of the storm. Yeah, you have to stay outside of the storm uh, to keep... No, you have to... No. You have to stay inside of the storm. Well, then why did you shout outside? <laughs> because you said you lose health if you stay inside the storm. Yeah, you need to... No, no, you stay... You lose health unless you uh, stay inside the eye of the storm. Um, and basically that... That's what we've been doing. We've essentially metal geared the heck out of it. Um, yep. We we sort of we crouch low. We sit in a corner. We all train our guns on the one door that's the entrance. Hopefully, no poor sap comes walking in because he, they just get sprayed with bullets. Hopefully, with three of us pointing at the door, one of us manages to put a bullet in them, um, and and then we just move on and we keep to the edge of the keep to the edge of the storm not really ruffling any feathers. We managed to get second in a group game once, right? Second as a team, I think it was. Second or third, one team. Uh, and we got zero kills. 
Actually, I've got the stat here, actually, because I, I kept a copy of it because I was just so impressed by it. Yeah, through blind luck. No, skill, Chris. Chris, we are avant-garde Fortnite players. It's a fine line, isn't it, really, ultimately? I, okay. I, I think that... The, the, sorry, just before you start, Chris, I think the fact that the game actually has a mechanic in it that actually moves people who camp from position to position, position to position, proves that your strategy is in no way unique. You think? Well, yeah. So then, why have that? Why have the area effect to the circle? Uh, because they want the games to be quicker. Basically, and there's no other way of detecting. Well, no, 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 no. Well, well, that, that's a degree, but then you just make the map smaller if you want the games quicker. The area of effect makes it so people just can't camp somewhere with a sniper rifle yeah. and a big gun. Uh, it means that people just can't camp somewhere hiding out in a doorway. At some point, they've got to face the battle. Um, I mean, you can do that to some degree, though, because if you can figure out where the Eye of the Storm is probably going to be, you can just basically land there as quickly as you possibly can. And you can still camp. Like, you can just sit there and do that. I mean, there's... I know what you're saying. Like, there is... There, it, it does feel like sometimes maybe there must be other people who are doing this stuff. But we get towards, like... We always get into, like, the top 20, 30 remaining players. And, like, we seem to be doing okay out of it. So what... what... Well, I, I, I think that's probably more of of a symptom of a difference between Fortnite and, and PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. From what I've seen of PUBG is that because PUBG doesn't have this like building element to it, yeah. like Fortnite, as I understand it, you can essentially gather materials and you can build your own fortress at any time, any time that you want. And so people actually spend most of the game building their own protections around themselves rather than moving from house to house, which... Because that element's not in PUBG, that strategy of moving from house to house, of camping in a location, is a lot more common. Right. Because that's all you've got for shelter, and if you're and if you're inside the eye of the storm, then staying in that house is a strategy. So a lot more of the gameplay in PUBG is centered around going into houses, storming them, being very cautious about going into heavily built-up areas because the percentage of someone being in there for protection is very, very high. Whereas in Fortnite, it seems that maybe that... Because you can build your own place to to hide that suits your play style, mm. uh, that's probably why you're getting to the end because it's probably... People are rushing and shooting a lot faster in Fortnite, maybe, than they are in, uh, in PUBG. Okay, so our results. Kills, zero. Yep. Ah, oh, Assists, great. zero. Revives, right. zero. Accuracy. Oh, I really wanted that to be three. <laughs> Hits, zero. Headshots, zero. Distance travelled, 2.04 kilometres. <laughs> Materials gathered, 22. Materials used, zero. Yeah. Damage taken, 249. <laughs> damage to players, zero. Damage to structures, 250. You took How did you take damage? You came in third out of 100 players. But the thing I love, because this, this game came from my brother's recommendation, because he was just raving about it. He's been playing a lot with his friend, and he was just desperate for me to play it. I actually, he actually rang me up today to find out how he got on last night. And yeah. um, what was particularly interesting he was saying was that the company's really quite cool in the fact that they'll just throw random stuff into the mix almost on a weekly basis. And he right. was saying that like one of the pleasures when you're parachuting out of the plane is that if you make a beeline for a particular location 
you've got time to make last minute changes and glide in a different direction if you see that loads of people are going to that place. But my brother said that one week, um, the company threw in this thing called 50-50, where essentially um, what happens is as you jump out of the plane, you don't see anyone other than your squad flying. It's only as soon as your feet hit the ground that you see the people around you, whether they're there or not. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, so, God. That must be so, a like, literally, You can literally just land and just be in the middle of this gigantic, like, barbaric oh. kind of fight. That sounds um, amazing. Um, I mean, what what I learned a lot about this game was the kind of first-person shooter I am, because or third-person, sorry, I should say. Because when I play with you guys, we've kind of found a kind of a harmony. We've each got our own particular traits or particular qualities, and we've kind of formed a squad. Mm. But um, I realised that when we were kind of matched up with other people, there's a particular instance where, like, I basically crouch everywhere. <laughs> I'm a very slow and patient gamer. And there was this one bit, Sam, where I was pensively walking up to this hut, literally, literally, it's painfully. And you, the guy, watched me crawl all my way from Elgin Solid Four, um, yeah. and then I just got overtaken by one of our squad members who we didn't know. We were paired with, and he just. By the time I got to it, he'd already gone in, stormed it, and came back out again, and handed me, a, handed me, a, handed me the gun. Chris, in a in a battle royale scenario, right, <laughs> with an open environment, sometimes moving very slowly towards a target, providing a possibly ninety nine other players a good opportunity to sit there and go, "Look at this idiot! Let's take our time with this shot." Sometimes just storming in. I, I think with player unknowns, battlegrounds, and Fortnite, quite often the approach is going in fast and loose can be quite good. Like hunkering down as a team when you get shot, yeah, and being a unit when you're shot, that's crucial. But sometimes the best approach is it's just far because if you go into somewhere fast and sort of erratic, then that gives the other player a lot less opportunity to think about where you are and if they're going to shoot you. Yeah. But I like the waiting game. I like that. But moving like the- very slowly towards a building. Nah. Yeah, but hold on a second. Hold on, Sam. Like, we did we did really well. We did bloody well. Like, Dan yeah. was hiding in his sparkly bushes, as he called them. But basically, yeah. like, if you're moving really fast, somebody in somebody's peripheral vision in the game, they're going to see that movement as opposed to someone slowly. Like, my brother yeah. was saying that there is a treasure that you can get where you can actually disguise yourself as a hedge. It's a proper Metal Gear Solid style. <laughs> he said that, like, it's great, except if you run because people are just watching this hedge going across the horizon <laughs> at breakneck speed. But like, no, um, so yeah, so I love this kind, I love the kind of the patience, as it were, the kind of the slowly, kind of the slow build up, this kind of Hitchcocky intention uh, as you're kind of like trying to strategize and move around and things. And did you not see the video I sent last night where literally we were doing so well Then Pete, so we saw this like balloon with a gif, a literal gif with a bow floating down. I literally said to Dan, Gar, what? No idiot would ever go for that. And we go, where's Pete? And he's already gone. <laughs> Straight for it. Unwraps yeah. it. He can't do it quietly. As soon as he unwraps it, it just makes his sound of fireworks. Suddenly, immediately, a rocket comes sailing past him from an enemy that's just seen him open this gift. He crawls over with minimum health to me. I revive him. Meanwhile, while I'm reviving Pete, Dan has gone in and got blitzed out. Pete goes back out, Dan comes in, I revive Dan. Whilst Pete needs in help, he comes back to me, I revive him. And it's just that process, and that's why we got wiped out. Because yeah, Peter Wellington couldn't resist. Oh, it was so good, though. It was so worth it. I got, like, a rocket launcher in it. For half a second. Yeah, but I fired it, and it was like, ah, this is great. Can't wait to get maybe one of these another time. Anyway, upshot of all of this is, 
it's great and I can't wait to play more of it basically I think it's a really great game for just having something that is completely skill based where it doesn't matter that we would be on different levels it doesn't matter no. how often we would play you know it's it's like Rocket League in that way or Tekken or, or, or something along those lines um, and it does it does allow for quite a lot of player expression like we played it like complete cowards and managed to succeed whereas other players played it much more like solo even though when they were playing in squads and uh, and, and then some you know methodically moved through environments some liked building it was really cool No, I am going to see Star Wars Last Jedi at some point. I'm just not... I haven't seen it yet. And I haven't had the chance to go and see it because Alex went to go and see it by herself. By herself? <laughs> didn't invite me. Christ, you remember when Chris did that to me? Jeez. Ah, oh, jeez. What? Awful. It's awful when Thor, people do that, Sam, isn't it? Thor Ragnarok didn't invite me. Guardians well, Galaxy was, 2 It was a, it was a date with my girlfriend. Me. <laughs> <laughs> just after you sat between us. Yeah, like with his with his popcorn, Sam just sat there like, come on, guys, let's watch oh. a great film about some space pirates. Guys, 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 I went, oh, Lisa and I went to the cinema the other day, didn't invite Chris. Yeah, um, yeah and I wasn't we went offended. To see, uh, and we went to go and see uh, Molly's Game, because we got, we got a really nice present from my auntie for Christmas, my auntie and uncle, hmm. and it was like £20 uh, Cineworld voucher, which is oh, great. Nice. I think that's a great, if you don't know what to get someone for Christmas... Cinema vouchers are really good because yeah. going to the cinema is super expensive. So knowing that you don't have to like shell out is a great it's a great night out. Mm. So we went to go see Molly's game and we were buying snacks before we started. Yeah, and I've got a great I've got a great grift going on with cinemas at the moment. <laughs> where they don't ad, they don't advertise right the child size uh, uh, popcorn bags on the on the uh, board right yeah. so they don't they don't actively talk about it because right you can get a child sized popcorn mm. for about £1.90 and for a normal person aka me and you Peter like that will do you through the adverts through the trailers up until the start of the movie okay and you're ready to go right right so I've got this great grift going on where I like have and Lisa was so embarrassed because I was like can I have a child's Popcorn, please. A small, no, a child's. And so... Oh, I bet they love you there. This server must have been, like, ready for this, because you went, well, actually, uh, here's the size of a small bag, but for the same price, you can actually get a child's box. I was like, okay, what's in the child's box? So there was Lisa with a... With a um, <laughs> Baskin and Robbins <laughs> ice cream walking into Molly's game, which is an 18 film, I think. There are no kids in there. And I had myself a little carry-on lunchbox <laughs> with popcorn, magic stars, <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a Capri Sun in it. <laughs> so oh. I was sitting in the cinema, like, sipping on the Capri Sun <laughs> with the popcorn. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh and Lisa was just like sitting next to me, going, "What? What is? What is this? What, why are what? we getting married?" <laughs> uh, wow, that is. That I mean, is... I love the fact that like you did like a grift, like when you're going to watch Molly's game, it's like Sam's game. It's basically <laughs> just a whole film about. <laughs> yeah, but oh. I tell you what. Yeah. Like that box was quite big. 
Yeah. And it was full of popcorn, like full. Mm. And it was great because we sprink we opened up the magic stars and we sprinkled the magic stars and shook it up into the popcorn. So you had like a little surprise every once in a while. Childhood truly is a time of wonder. Mm. <laughs> Jeez. I I use I I did use the same grift when um uh, when Chris and I went to go and see Star Wars Last Jedi. I've never I've I've never gone to the cinema and been one of those people who've bought like, you know, those awful rollover hot dogs. Oh yeah. Or those like nacho trays. I've had nacho trays before and they are as bad as you think. Uh, bad good or no, bad bad? No, I like I like bad good. They are just bad, bad. Like, uh, yeah, they are filth. And also, the worst. Here's the thing as well. Okay, about about cinema food. When you yeah. get when you get nachos, okay, what is the thing that that makes the nacho the nacho? The crisp, obviously, the tomato, and the cheese and the jalapenos and all the other bits and pieces. But you can't eat that with a knife and a fork, right? You no. can't. So you're sat there digging your hands into this tomatoey salsa mess and you get like five minutes into it and you've got, you know, tomato sauce all over your face and you've got, you know, goop all over your hands and you've eaten and stuff like that. And obviously the film's probably started by this point and you're just covered in sticky sauce for the entirety of the movie unless you get out and go to the bathroom and clean yourself up, in which case you've missed part of the film. Awful. Uh, uh, do you know you know nachos, right? Mm-hmm. They're like their own fork. I think you're just blowing so your like, mind. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how you're eating nachos, but no, the idea have, is... You always to... have sauce at the end. We don't want to waste it, do you? <laughs> just, just tipping it down your gullet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just like, you know, some, something pretty heartbreaking on in the background, you know. And just like, <laughs> uh, um, get a straw out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Take, gosh. Yeah, absolutely amazing. The, the the language of cinema is universal. Um, I so, can see why uh, Alex went on her own to the cinema. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, but, Christ. But, but don't spoil anything about Star Wars because I do, I will probably see it at some point. I, I, I will spoil one thing for you, which oh. is a great, which is a, which is an interesting fact that I love. So you know, porgs. Porgs are the brand new creature. Brought to us by is it Rian or Ryan? Rian, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. So Porgs are the new creature. Interesting fact, right? So the mm. I. So the um, and this is not a spoiler. Cause this is how Force Awakens ends. The yeah. island that Luke Skywalker is on is an, actually inhabited by puffins, and it's cheaper, right? Mm. Mm. It was cheaper to turn the puffins into Porgs than it was to digitally erase the puffins from the picture, right? So, okay, how... But So it's cheaper to, like, essentially paper them over. Yeah. So, like, so, okay, so it's essentially cheaper to paper them over while whatever, like, Han Solo or whoever it is or Leia is, like, chatting away to the Porgs telling them about the Force. And, like, it's, 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 it's cheaper to have them as Porgs rather than have them ha- right, taking the puffins out digitally and just replacing them with rocks. <laughs> just like well it's not like no because it's not like the porgs it's not like the puffins were doing all the character work that the porgs were doing that the porgs do in the film oh so they're not it's they're, not like they, they, they haven't p- motion captured a puffin 
They're, they're, <laughs> so it's not like it's not like it's not like Henson works sort of like puppet works. They've not like slapped a load of like costumes on puppets. <laughs> it's yeah, just you know that scene in the trailer with the porg in the front of the Millennium Falcon and he's just a puffin. <laughs> How oh. did this get in there? Keep it, keep it. We'll, we'll, God. Uh, we'll, oh, God, we'll, these puffins are everywhere. Put quick slap some more digital stuff over the top of it. You can't get rid of them. You can't get rid of them. They're just everywhere. Like, every scene. Every it's just scene. like It's like when the Predator goes into camouflage mode. <laughs> just that shimmering outline. They... They, they say they say in one scene you can see you can see a slight depression on Luke Skywalker's shoulder where there was a puffin sitting there. No, <laughs> but they digitally no, edited it out. That can't be true. That can't no, be true. No, of course true. it's not true. Oh, thank God, because they would have just put a porg on there. <laughs> did, did, did they? So, so did they like mocap the puffins? Like no. one? Yeah, but did they like did they mocap one of them? Because if you think about it, if you mocap one puffin, you could just re- re- like replicate that across all the puffins. Then you're then you got the porgs proper. No, because they didn't like put a puffin into Andy Serkis's workshop, and you know <laughs> he's yeah. there as Ambassador Snoke or whatever he's called. And then there's a puffin next to him. <laughs> next. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see. Do you know what? I know lots of people are like. People are like, oh yeah, you know, you know what? You really want to find the laser cut, uh, laser disc cut of Star Wars: and New Hope. I would love to see petition right now to start to get the original cut without porks, just puffins everywhere. <laughs> puffins in those ridiculous green suits. <laughs> <laughs> With like white balls just attached to them and their yeah. bills. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like go, going up to the trailer to get some food with like Mark Hamill and um, <laughs> yeah, you Daisy know, Ridley. You know, some people don't think that this is a job, but what I said to Mark was, uh... <laughs> once you've played Leah, like, <laughs> I just picture like Andy Serkis spending like six months just studying the puffins with them becoming one with the puffins like he did the <laughs> yeah actually what really happened was each of those puffins was played by Andy Serkis not actual puffins every single one <laughs> every single one. Oh man oh well, that's good well like I don't want to talk about it but like I'm assuming it's good yeah, it's it, long. It. So we got we got a gift, didn't we? Staying in, got their first, their yeah. first gift. Which, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. I mean, even even saying that sentence is bloody weird because it, it like, is weird, isn't it? Because it's like somebody else is listening. I, I, I think, <laughs> I, yeah. So we we got a lovely gift. Uh, we and, did, and um, it was sent to us, and then you got hold of it. Um, yes, I did. Yeah, the what's the full name? Uh, it's just called Noel's House Party. It's the board game of Noel's House Party. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, so, okay, now being the person who looks after all of the like back end stats and stuff like that for the podcast, I can tell you that we do have listeners in like America and China and all right, okay. different places. So, so. Obviously, everybody who is British knows exactly what Noel's house party is. Uh, but for them, it was... Go I, on. I literally don't know how to describe what Noel's house party what, it was. Shall- it was just Noel Edmonds doing sort of... Ha- sometimes having British celebrities on and... Shall, get, shall we do the Wikipedia? Yeah, like, I just... I just remember it being in the 90s. 
Yeah. Noel's House Party was a BBC light entertainment series hosted by Noel Edmonds. Yeah. Set in a large house in a fictional village of Crinkly Bottom. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, Crinkly Bottom, hilarious joke, not a real place. Let's continue. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Noel's House Party was a think... um, I'm trying to think of like a a, a pan... What even happened in it? Like, it was just... It's just a series of skits. Yeah, it was just like an entertainment show. So within Noel's house party, there was lots of different elements. So there was the gotcha, which um, was basically almost like a you've been framed sort of jackass style, but for Saturday night TV thing where Noel Edmonds would prank someone, like destroy their car, but it wasn't really their car. And they'd be all like, yeah. oh no, we destroyed my car. And then Noel Edmonds would be like, Oh, here's a gotcha and 10 grand because it was the 90s and no one gave a shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd be sued and, uh, for that. You would literally be taken to court <laughs> for that now. Like, uh, yeah, okay. So there was that. And there was things like uh, um, Wait Till I Get You Home, which, what? Um, which is basically where parents... Um, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 chil- the children were ah. interviewed and asked questions about their parents. Yeah. So it's like, oh, wait till you get that home. Uh, one of my favourite things that I was always convinced that I was going to be on was NTV. So that was when um, they'd start the show, like Noel would come out and it'd be like, oh, let's go and check on our family this week. And there'd be a camera situated inside someone's house on top of their CRT TV. And then like, it'd be like the typical sort of like Middle English saturday night scene like all with like tray tables on their laps and just like yeah. they're not aware that we're watching us box of and then, roses like, that the dog's got his head in yeah that's yeah all. he would like and then and later on in the show he would snap his fingers and uh like they'd suddenly be aware that they're on tv and i and, and thinking about that now like that was incredible but surely like Camera technology was not that great in the yeah. early nineties, and they could have but hidden it was the camera, like a camera on top person of... behind the TV as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but the, I, I remember that now, and basically the the thing was that, that the people watching the television would react to seeing themselves on the television. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was it was it was great. That is a good that is a good gag, isn't it? Like that is, it is pretty it, good. To be honest, there was loads of great things in the show. So what so what Noel's house party the board game does is it yeah. tries to take some of those elements and turn them into um, a board game. And it's, it's very it's very it has a very simple roll and move mechanic. Everyone rolls and moves, lands on a space, and you take a card that represents like four of the rounds that are in uh, Noel's house party. So wait till I get you home is there. Yeah, but that's kind of changed into sort of like um, you you'll ask a question of someone and uh, they will they then have an A B C D answer and you've got to bet on which one that they which one that they they would put down. So like for an example, like what is the most adventurous thing you could be remembered for? A getting out of bed before midday. Yeah. B going white water rock climbing. C being born into your family and the great thing is d is always other state what so you can just make up whatever whatever you right uh the other the another round is not knock which is brilliant because that's just you um you guess the identity of someone from the clues on the card and so the earlier you guess the um identity of someone the more money you earn 
from it. So let me let me play this with you now, Pete. Right, okay. And, and the great thing the great thing about not knock is the first thing they ask for where you can earn the most money, which is thirty pounds. Like if anyone ever got it, I would be very surprised. So right, not knock. Who's there for thirty pounds? Actor. <laughs> Sam, and also, let's just again contextualize this. This game is from the nineties. Yeah. So it's, you've got to you've got to guess actor. a person. Just just actor. Just actor. Yeah. That. Uh, Are right, you ready? Uh, Alec, yeah, Alec Baldwin. Well, no. Okay, for twenty-five quid, they solved the murder of John Kennedy. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Okay. Twenty quid. They looked after Whitney Houston. Oh, the lad from the bodyguard. The lad from the bodyguard. <laughs> is it? Is it? Um, Ke- Kevin Costner. Correct. Well done. You would have got Jeez. twenty pounds. So each. So each of these. Each of these rounds, you get. You get handed the the cheapest, the nastiest, uh, uh, square blue. Um, a piece of paper that have like five pounds written on them and you have like a little pile in front of you um there's a music game which is one of the funniest things so that's basically like um there's a great one in the music game where someone picks a song and then you've each got to say the next lyric in that song going round in a circle okay until and the first person to fail has to give the rest of the team like 15 quid or, or whatever like that that's great um or there's another one for £20, pick up any newspaper, book or magazine, open it randomly and sing the first paragraph in the style of Michael Jackson. This all sounds great. There, there are some great things in there. There's, there's also some like really 90s things. Like I had a card that referenced, open up the latest TV guide and, <laughs> yeah. and see what's on BBC One currently. My favourite round of all of them is NTV. Now, now this is brilliant because actually... In Noel's House Party, the board game, yeah. I think there's actually some really interesting ideas. Someone working on this game actually really liked board games, I think, and right. really saw it as an effort to to sort of get interesting things out of people. And there are some nice social elements in this, especially in the NTV stuff. So before you even start playing Noel's House Party, everyone gets their own dry whiteboard. Yeah. which is like which was the, the 2017 innovation in board game design um so they're way well ahead of the curve <laughs> yeah um yeah. Noel's house party and on this on this board they write like favorite color favorite song um you know favorite film favorite country all that kind of gubbins and they just fill it out and they keep that so when they're playing ntv um, NTV relates to stuff that you've put on there. So it's like, name five things that your country's famous for or name four of the songs that your favourite band have, the hand of, uh, uh, have written a song about. And I think stuff like that is really, really interesting. And it's also got... Also, there's also stuff on the NTV things where it'll be, if you don't laugh... Uh, until it comes down to your next turn, then get 20 quid. Or mine was like, close your eyes for the rest of the turn and you'll get 20 quid. But because you because no one knows what you've been what you've read on that card, that's really interesting. Like uh, when Chris and I played it, we were playing with a couple of other guys and one of them just kept, just went from like laughing hilariously at this, at this stupid, stupid, idiotic game to just being in complete silence. <laughs> and then we found out between the three, between the rest of us that he couldn't laugh. So suddenly like it was just the most hilarious, um, you know, situation. Like he, he just could not. And he lost a fiver every time he laughed. <laughs> so he just lost his all his money. 
That's brilliant. Now, there, was one point, there was one point where he said he literally just took cash in just to free up some extra laughs for later on. <laughs> it was just taking cash in and then but just laughing. But didn't he also, Sam, because like at the beginning, as Sam says, you're given this pad with the choose of things down and you write down comical ones to be ironic. And so he picked up the NTV car, which says, you must spend the rest of the round talking in the language of your favourite country. And he'd written North Korea as his favourite country. <laughs> oh, God. That's um, great. So um, all this goes along, and so you're just moving around the board, uh, collecting money. One, the big, the biggest omission in uh, Noel's house party that you probably already guessed is that Blobby does not appear. Mr. What? Blobby was uh, a famous uh, and character. He was a pink. In, uh, he was a pink-suited man. He, well, yeah. what, literally a blob, but with legs yeah. and arms and yellow spots. And, his and the only phrase, word he said was blobby. Yeah, was just blobby, blobby, blobby. He was so famous in Britain, right? There was a video game made of uh, Mr. Blobby. And no. when video games were actually, like, on the up, right? Like, And not only that, there was a theme park, a blobby theme there, yeah. park. Yeah, oh, oh, there's there's pictures from this blobby theme park. He had, an, he had a single as well. He had a single? Number one single. He was... He was Mr. Blobby was... I Honestly, I... Oh... I, I'm uh, proper rubbish, proper rubbish television from the 90s. But yeah, he was massive. So why is he not in it? I'm disgusted. I just think in terms of I, how do you integrate stuff like Blobby? How do you into integrate a... Blobby, yeah. I mean, the supreme irony was, that, do you know, the only reason Blobby was there was because on the Knowles House Party set, there were just a ton of puffins. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so 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 yeah. So Noel's Hasper go, goes around and around and around, and that's so. So I really, I actually genuinely really enjoyed like the NTV talent test stuff, and I think it actually does some really interesting things, like different about trivia questions, and um, that 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 means that there like lo- a lot of interaction between you and your family, I guess, which is who you would play it with. Mm. It's got an inbuilt timer. Uh, so the game never goes on too long, which I think is a really a, a really clever thing to have in. But the game also has its own inbuilt balancing mechanic. So the end of the game finishes with a full working, in inverted commas, uh, version of the Grabber Grand booth. Do you remember the Grabber Grand booth? So that's like um, it's like a, a, a like a phone booth, but you walk inside it, and then money and air like air. Uh, like yeah, a big yeah. current of air pushes money into the air and you have to grab money. Yeah, yeah, so that was it. And then however much money you grabbed was what you went with. Right. So, and these, were, and these were notes, not coins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, over the course, so over the course of a Noel's house party, you're collecting this really cheap, nasty paper money. And then what happens at the end is the player who goes first puts all that money into this little plastic foam boxy kind of thing. And then this that's attached to what I can only describe as some... I mean, it looks like an irrigation pump. Right. It looks like the kind of thing that you give an enema with or something. <laughs> uh, it, it's just like... It's just basically this massive plastic pump and it's connected to, the, to, to where you've got your money. At the top of where your money sits are little slats... So the idea is, is that you've got you've got fifteen pumps to put air into this, and the pumps are good enough to send the money up to the top and essentially out of the slats at the side. Right. So they fall onto the board. So what? I, but what I like about that is, 
any money that isn't like pumped out of the grab a grand thing stays in there. So it means that when the next person comes along who's got less money than the first person had, means they've got just as much chance as winning because there's money always left over in the. um, I mean, I'm talking quite highly of it, of it, but it was a (laughs) it was a little bit shit, wasn't it, Chris? It's kind of like yeah, I won, and there was no way I should have won. (laughs) No way I should have won whatsoever. Well, I'm glad you had a fun time, and I guess I guess we should. <laughs> I mean, I, it sounds you had like a, a fun enough time that we should say thank you to uh, Robin Smith for sending us yeah. a copy of it. Um, so that thank you, lovely. Robin, for that. That was very lovely of you. So um, I got sent something as well uh, by <laughs> by my by my friend PR company. <laughs> <laughs> which, oh, which, um, which is uh, yeah, they're always a really good friend. Uh, so um, there's a game called Inner Space. Have you heard of this yet? Inner oh, Space. Oh, it's a game because I no, typed yeah, it. <laughs> I, did you do I did, Sam? Yeah, I. Yeah. Did you watch yeah, the trailer? Yeah. No. Oh, jeez. See, I I thought you you had instead gone to the cinema or somehow over Christmas you'd watch the 1987 fantasy science fiction film Inner Space, oh. where a marine is miniaturized and and placed inside a body. Oh no! It won over. It earned 25 million dollars and won an Oscar. Yeah, it was. It's a. Um, it's a comedy sort of remake of Fantastic Voyage. I've never heard of this. No. Well, neither had we. Like, it's produced by Steven Spielberg. The, it, it is It is a pretty good film, this to be looks, honest. This looks well good. I'm going to add that to my list of films I should watch. I, and also, to, to ruin the surprise, actually, if I do end up running another RPG, right. this, is a, this is a scenario that I would do. Really? So I would do it that you all guys get shrunk down and get put inside, like, my body or something like that. <laughs> uh, how do we get inserted into your body? That's, that's the only thing I want to know. That's, that's Depends on the role. It's not a choose-your-own-adventure cheap, story. <laughs> yeah, just like, just like roll a d20. Uh-oh. <laughs> like one, I've rolled... Oh, one, no. No, one. I've rolled a two. Yeah. Well... Sadly, Inner Space on Steam uh, is not a uh, the adaptation of Steven Spielberg classic, uh, apparently. Um, yeah, no. Um, so this is Polynight Games, and it's so this this starting to be a bit of a buzz around Inner Space. I, I kind of I've I've heard about it on the periphery and uh, and that kind of thing, and so it sort of caught my caught my eye when I saw it coming to the inbox, and so I tried it out, and um, so. It's basically a flight simulator meets Journey. All right, right. So I so it's got the mechanical complexity of something like a Sky Odyssey or a not quite as Microsoft Microsoft Flight Simulator or anything like. That, but you remember Hawks back in yeah. the day? Yeah, yeah, like Hawks maybe. Um, but there's no combat or anything like that. It's instead this exploration flight game where you are inside these giant planets, and it looks like you're looking at everything in the world with like a fisheye lens because everything's kind of circular as, as it spins around you. And the um, your, I think it's called a frame, uh, which is like a, a plane, but it can also turn into a submarine. Um, it's sort of 
the camera stays almost rigidly focused on this thing as the rest of the, the space moves around you. Um, I was playing with a keyboard and mouse, and I've got to say, my, my hand was like completely cramped by the end of it because you need to do things like you have to do your turn, you have to do, you have to roll, you have to pitch, you have to do all that sort of stuff like you would in a flight game. But you have to do it really quickly, like you might in like a, I don't know, like a video game that was maybe like an acrobatic, dis like the Red Arrows video game, like really intensely fast. Um, but it's also like Journey because it's weirdly ethereal and it's got this musical landscape that changes as you move through it. Um, so think of it like it is kind of like flower, kind of like journey. It's got this story in the background of these weird ancient demigods that uh, that controlled the planet in some way, and there's this this power called wind, and that's the only way that life exists, and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's this really odd mishmash of two quite distinct genres. And I actually thought that I I I started playing, and I thought. I thought, Sam, actually, you'd enjoy it because it is quite, <clears throat> it is quite journey-like in that way. Uh, I've, I've also seen that it's coming to the Switch, so that's kind of like with most games that are coming out now, if that's the first thing I'm looking for, is yeah. it coming to the Switch? Because yeah. if it is, then I'm immediately interested because I'm like, yeah, I could actually play that. Yeah. I Be don't have, you know, Because it's, it's one of those things where you can like, like take it on the bus or whatever like you can play it you can fit it around and actually it is kind of one of those games where you can dip in and out of it if you if you really want to i like it i like the visual style of it it's very distinct it's got this uh it does this really cool thing with effects whereby the uh, visual effects whereby they look kind of this like see-through texture effect that they've got going on which looks like 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 it's a whole solid object, but it's patterned. It's really difficult to describe it. It's like a, a sh it's like a patterned shadow as an object. You'll have to see it when translucent. you see it. Translucent. Yeah, no, it, it is translucent, but it is like, it's a very distinct visual effect. It's not something that it could ever exist in our reality. Um, but it's very stylish in that way. Again, in the way that Journey is very stylish. It's also very low poly and it's got all that, uh, that music plus movement style to it. But yeah, so I was, I was playing around with that and I do really like it, but I, I, there's just something, and I can't quite, I can't quite put my finger on it. But there's something in it that I find really, it, it's almost like the two, everything about it meshes together really, really well. Like everything on paper really works. Like the flight stuff feels good. The story is really delicate and well told. The music is good. The visuals are great. The exploration of it is is really, really cool because it doesn't hold you by the hand at all it just sort of hints at where it might where you might want to go and explore but the 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 thing that doesn't quite work for me is that because it's a flight sim ultimately you can crash into things really easily <laughs> like the thing about flight sims is there's the whole sky right like you can't really knock into anything because unless you're hitting no. the ground so you're diving and shooting through these um and zipping through these tunnels and knocking into stuff if you're a bit crap at games like I am. And like, you'll clip onto things and it will spin you out a little bit. And while that's okay because it means you have to get better at the game, and, and, and I did get better at the game, I never quite had that feeling of serenity that I think the game tries to achieve, that Flower achieves. Because if you, 
if you remember when you played Flower, that final level is the most strenuous, and I think for me it's the it's the one that I didn't like the most. It's the one where they have um, electric fences and stuff that if you hit into them, you can actually die basically. Yeah, and and you get zapped, and it takes you out of this sense of flow in Flower, and it's exactly the same here, except for it's all the time because it's it's asking you to do these very acrobatic movements inside this space. Um, so yeah, it kind of it, it never quite gels those two elements together of like the serenity that it, I think is trying to achieve. But I think you'd I think you'd quite like it. And also, I think with the controller, I think you'll like it a lot more than me with my fucking mm. keyboard and mouse, like trying to do different stuff. There's a drift mechanic in it, which is quite, which is really cool. But like to actually implement it and stuff like that, it really takes something to get your get your head around it. Um, it's neat. It's it's neat. I, I can see why people are picking up on it, uh, and I can see why Aspire is publishing it because they don't usually seem to publish stuff. Um, they don't tend to like publish indie stuff, and they've picked this one up. So I can totally see why they where they're doing that. But mm, it was all right. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Yeah, I think you would like it. A nice highbrow thing to complement Noel's house party. <laughs> I'm a nice guy, and I and and we've had our, I've played Noel's House Party about three times now, and I and I've had my fill of it. Yep. I know what it yep. I know what it's doing. Yeah, it's very. But nice. I'd never get rid of it. No. So it's now in the loft. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. In twenty years' time, or whenever I move out of this house, yeah. I don't have to go in my loft and be faced by a pile of nineties-based yeah. entertainment board games. Yeah, I mean, Sam, you, I just picture, I picture it like you just leave it in the loft, like it's Jumanji, and some kids come, and they hear the drumming yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah, like, and they're like, like, yeah, it's like there's like three kids, and they're like looking around. There's a b- big box covered in dust. They go, Brookside. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 roll, they, roll, they roll the right combination and Sam escapes the board game. He's been trapped in there for 20 years. <laughs> With Noel Edmonds. Yeah. Oh, God. That was Staying In with Sam Turner, Peter Willington and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the various things we've covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at stayinginpod. Many thanks again to Robin for sending us such a lovely gift. If there are any 90s board games you would like to donate, I'm sure that Sam would be more than happy to receive them. Thanks for listening.